This is Josh Kanak, and I'm a sales agronomist in CHS Ag Services in Hazel, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Well, the National Weather Service in Aberdeen, meteorologist Scott Daring says uh, during a, a few days of well, a few days of turbulent cold weather are in store for both the Dakotas and Minnesota. Today wise, uh, for here in South Dakota, we do have some strong northwesterly winds. And then somewhat kind of warm, too. We're looking at uh, current temperatures in the uh, 30s, and some spot further west is in the uh, 40s. However, that will all change. We'll have a cold front come through and also potential for some snow uh, into Tuesday night, first round of snow anyways. Uh, potential is there for northeastern South Dakota and prior southeastern uh, North Dakota into, into Minnesota. First round of snow potentially for uh, 4 to 7 inches. We'll see temperatures uh, continuing to fall throughout the week. And there will be a slight break in the snowfall Tuesday night before Wednesday's system hits. We will have a lull in the uh, snow here in South Dakota, or a good part of South Dakota, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. And that's pretty much the same for North Dakota as well. But um, we'll see the secondary part of the storm system move in pretty much Wednesday morning and in the western and south central part of South Dakota. It continues spread north and east on um, Wednesday and through Thursday. Snow pretty heavy for eastern South Dakota. Several inches of snow will be expected. With the falling snow, we will also have some strong north northerly winds, which will cause some blowing and drifting snow issues. Frost and light freezes occurred Friday and Saturday in small pockets of Argentina. Cop damage is expected to be minimal. World Weather Incorporated doesn't think temperatures were cold enough for a long enough period of time to do much damage. World Weather says drought conditions will have far more impact on crops in the recent cold temperatures. Turkish and Russian leaders are expected to start Black Sea Grain Initiative talks soon. However, no firm date for the discussions has been set. The current deal is up for renewal in March, but Russia is asking for some sanctions to be lifted on their agricultural exports before it will agree to an extension. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose says the grains performed well going into the long President's Day holiday weekend. Considering that uh, Brazil is a big, big harvesting week down there, weekend, uh, three days, and uh, not as much hedge pressure as you would have thought going into that uh, weekend. So it's the large crop being harvested in Brazil versus the how much is dialed in on the shrinking crop in Argentina um, really seems to be the focus. Our U.S. corn, uh, not really that competitive, uh, you know, uh, in the world market right now. So uh, exports should pick up, but Ukraine selling corn underneath our market. Brazil's harvest pace and the USDA Ag Outlook Forum will be the main focus when the traders return uh, this evening. I mean, they can uh, uh, harvest uh, so aggressively. You know, they're probably about 30% planted on the safrina crop and probably about 35% harvested on the Brazil crop now. So, you know, they're getting a third of the way into the uh, crop here. So those beans are going to hit the market. And I imagine we're going to have a lot of focus on that ag forum, um, you know, what the government's coming up with from a budget standpoint, from acres, um, from yield, from uh, ending stock. So um, not that it's all uh, be into everything, but I think it gives a working number for everybody. 
Ukraine's 2022-23 crop year grain exports are down 29% from last year, according to Ukraine's agriculture ministry. The ministry says smaller production and logistical difficulties caused by the war with Russia are the main drivers. So far this marketing season, Ukraine has shipped just over 30 million metric tons of grain. Included in this volume so far are 10.8 million tons of wheat, 17 million tons of corn, and about 2 million tons of barley. It's crunch time in the North Dakota legislature. All bills must get through one chamber before crossover to move forward. In addition to the corporate farming law, Agriculture Commissioner Doug Goring says that there is a lot of issues facing agriculture. I think the other thing that they're working on also is so some foreign ownership bill. The, the foreign ownership bill, they've also been working on a lot of value-added uh, programs for value-added agriculture. Um, I know the infrastructure bill for rural communities, that's still being floated and talked about. I believe there's $15 million they're dedicating or looking at for that. There are some uh, bills with respect to helping counties and townships with zoning. South Dakota Attorney General Marty Jackley announced South Dakota has joined 23 other states in filing a lawsuit against the Biden administration's Waters of the United States rule. States contend the rule signed by the president on his first day in office in 2021 would redefine navigable waters. That would be placed under the Clean Waters Act. Uh, Jack Lee stated that uh, that places an undue burden on South Dakotans who would face federal government punishment for even the slightest misuse. North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming also among some of the states involved in that lawsuit. The first two phases of the emergency relief program covered losses from 2020 and 2021. At the end of this past year, Congress approved another $3.7 billion in disaster assistance for 2022 losses. Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Duchenau says USDA is putting the final touches on that program. Hope to use the processes that we developed in ERP and ELRP phase one and then ERP phase two to deliver that resource a little more timely because you and I both know that the disaster assistance that comes two years later probably, you know, is less than effective. So we're looking at 2022 and what we can do to learn the lessons of ERP phase one and two and ELRP so that we can properly deliver the resources that were allocated to us by Congress. There's less resources available for the 2022 disaster program than what was seen in the last two previous years. So we're still working to try to fine-tune those tools and make improvements to those standing disaster programs to better fit while we continue to think about what's needed in the places where there still remain gaps. This is the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. March 15th is the deadline to sign up for crop insurance and many considerations need to be taken into account. MinStar Bank Farm Management Analyst Kent Tesey says input costs have increased, making protecting prices very important. The two big things that have changed, at least for corn and soybeans, is that our input costs and cost of production have increased considerably. And that means uh, if we're going to try to uh, reduce our risk through crop insurance, we need to make sure we get as close to adequate coverage to cover those costs as possible. 
The other good news is we continue to have very strong spring base prices for crop insurance, which sets our guarantees. Uh, as of Friday, we were at five ninety six for corn and thirteen seventy two for soybeans. TZ says finding a crop insurance agent that will help you analyze your options is vital to sound decisions. I always say the best resource is a good crop insurance agent, not one that just wants to sell you policies, but one that's willing to sit down with you, go through the different scenarios, look at you know costs versus benefits of different policies. Best thing is to kind of look at the various products, how what the risk is, kind of the what ifs. Uh, on different scenarios with your crop insurance agent and then decide what your desired level of risk protection is and try to get the most bang for your buck for the investment you make in premium costs. you got to decide how much premium you're willing to put out there. North Dakota Stockman's Association's Environmental Service Director, Scott Ressler, works as a ringman for sales across North Dakota. Ressler says there's been a lot of bulls sold this year, even with the cow numbers down. There's there's a lot of bulls that get marketed through the sales barns as, as way ups, and so we need to replace them. Do we ever seem like we have too many bulls? It seems like that we probably... Uh, do at times, although we end up selling all these bulls for breeding, so I, I'm not sure if we have too many bulls or not in the system, but uh, bull prices have been good. Of course, always the the, the power bulls, they find, uh, you know, they bring top dollar, and a lot of interest in these heifer bulls. Uh, there's going to, appears to be a lot of interest in breeding these heifers, and going to have lots of uh, red heifers hit the market here in the next year. And Ressler says there's been a few barn burner sales, and the bull market looks strong. Yeah, they're following the calf market up. They're higher than they have been um, the last couple of years, and it's uh, all across the breeds. It doesn't even seem to be a specific breed. So there's um, lots of enthusiasm, and I'm sure it's exactly goes with the calf market. That, that seems to be heading in in the right direction, and. Uh, these people are willing to pay for for these for these good bulls that I'm going to put back in their breeding program. Beef producers look towards genetics to identify their next big breeding stock. So at a strategic account manager, Jed Hutchinson says even commercial producers will utilize EPDs. I think it's starting to be more and more, especially when you look at your guys as part of the country. There's a lot of seed stock guys, and and I think when we start talking about genetics or EPDs or expected progeny differences, we, we think of the seed stock guy, but today the really cool thing is, is is those results and that kind of information is becoming available for the commercial cow-calf guy, and they don't have to be purebreds anymore. We can actually test animals that have difference in, in genetic profile and makeup and, and still give really high accuracy to be able to help them start to make better decisions when, when keeping replacements. And Zoetis can help purebred and commercial producers identify their best stock to retain. So, of course, on the, on the purebred side, we have the 50K test, and that's kind of in partner with AGI. And then, as far as, like, keeping replacement or replacement female tests, we have one that's called GMAX Advantage, and that's for commercial females, but they got to be 75% or greater Angus. The new one that's really cool that has a lot of people's attention is Inherit Select. And that test enables us to test cattle from pretty much all types of breeds of cattle as far as what we would be looking at today in most commercial cow-calf herds of the, the breed composite. 
And a friendly reminder, you can hear the latest farm news, weather, and podcasts anytime at rrfn.com, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. To celebrate youth in agriculture and agricultural education during the National FFA Week, the Red River Farm Network is highlighting the success stories of former FFA members from Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Neil Rockstead serves as president of the Red River Valley Sugar Beet Growers Association and vice president of the American Sugar Beet Growers Association, crediting his interest in leadership to his years spent in the Blue Jacket at Ada, Minnesota. All of those things were leadership building of activities and improvement in, in cooperation, certainly improvements in, in communication, uh, how to work with other people with, with similar interests but maybe differing opinions. And all of those are just tremendous life skills. I probably didn't see that at the time, but uh, working with people, not against people, but working with people with differing views, trying to attain the same goal is, uh, is, is a skill that, that I use every day in, uh, in every, every aspect of life. But certainly as I've gone into some different organizations, those are very, very important skills, and, and I, I give FFA a lot of credit for those. Rock said, said, while being involved with local organizations in your community is important, FFA shows that contributing to your community or industry can go beyond a local level. And, and I think sometimes we're complacent, even as we enter into adulthood, that our, our world is pretty small, our world is local, and pretty soon you realize that you have something to contribute on a, on a little grander scale, not that it takes your whole life, but a little bit here, a little bit there. It's part of a, a give back to your community service type of thing. But that's what FFA did. It, it kind of opened that door and said, we've got good things going right here in Norman County for sure. But look look at Northwest Minnesota and then look at the state of Minnesota. So those just, just kind of opening up those doors of opportunity kind of opened my eyes and, and has carried through to adulthood. Red River Farm Network's National FFA Week coverage is sponsored by the Minnesota Agricultural Education Leadership Council, Proceed, Nutrien, the Northern Canola Growers Association. Follow RRFN's National FFA Week coverage on Twitter at RRFN and Facebook. Reporting Agriculture's Business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. All right, thanks, Whitney. Markets close. We'll reopen at 7 o'clock this evening for the futures markets. Have a great afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.